Matthew 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Good morning, church. If you are visiting with us, thank you so much for coming our way. You are our honored guest, and we appreciate you being here today. And I want to—I'll say something else about this again, but I want to encourage you to be praying about this week and this weekend. A lot of people will be in our area and uh, enjoying Evangelism University, and uh, we always do a lot for that. And so I want you to be praying. Everybody can be praying, uh, even if you're not able to do some of the other things. Everybody can be praying. So we want to encourage you to pray. Also, I want to encourage you to pick up a bulletin this morning uh, and take note of all the things that are going on and all those on our uh, sick list and be praying for those and checking on those. Also, I want to encourage you to pick up. uh, We've made more copies in in the lobby uh, and also in the hallway over here of the All In brochure. Uh, It'll have our month theme. Our year theme is all in. And then we'll have our monthly theme of what we're going to be talking about uh, every Sunday morning. It also have our church calendar in there. You can put that in your Bible. You can put that on your refrigerator. So you'll always know what's going on here at Savannah Church of Christ. And and you can make plans to be involved in those different activities. And the the verse that uh, comes or that we'll look at uh, all year and focus on and think about as we think about all in is Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. All in the name of the Lord Jesus. Keep your Bibles open there to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, and we'll focus there. And also Acts chapter 8. Matthew chapter 28 and Acts chapter 8. Where are you going? Some of you may be thinking, well, preacher, as soon as you hush up, I'm going to be headed to this restaurant or that restaurant so I can eat and I can't wait. Maybe some of you are thinking, well, this week I'm going to go to this place or that place because I have this to do or that to do. It might be school, it might be work, or it might be travel. Where are you going? You see, what I want us to think about this morning is where we are going spiritually. Where we're going spiritually. You see, the fact of the matter is, all of us are headed and going to one or two destinations. Both eternally. We're either headed to spend this, we're either going to spend eternity with God in heaven, or we're either going to spend eternity with Satan and his followers in a devil's hell. That's the reality. That's what the Bible teaches. And so what we have to do is make up our minds and make our choice. So this morning, where are you going? 
As we think about where we're going spiritually, I also want us to think about and challenge ourselves to think about who is going with us. Who are we taking with us? Well, as mentioned before, we're about to host Evangelism University. I understand there's a board that does a lot of uh, the planning of speakers and all that kind of stuff, but a lot of the lead work and uh, the hard work that takes place takes place from this congregation. There are about to be a thousand or more young people and adults here in our town to plan, to challenge each other, to be challenged on how they might be more evangelistic in their lives. By the way, I, I want to again ask us and challenge us and encourage us to pray for this effort. But I also want us to think about this. No matter what you are doing, whether you're housing people, whether you're serving in the cafeteria, whether you're helping with the hospitality room, or whether you're setting up or tearing down, or whatever capacity you're helping in, here's what I want to challenge us to do. I want to challenge us to look at this as a special opportunity. Maybe some of you have been doing this for years. I want you to look at this time, this year, because that's all we have. The present. I want you to look at this time before us as an opportunity. You see, there may be someone in these groups that have not obeyed Jesus Christ. Will they see Jesus in us? When we're tired and we're frustrated, will they see Jesus in us? What an opportunity. And I want to challenge us to whatever it is, whatever aspect we're working in, I want to challenge us to look at that as an opportunity to influence people for the cause of Jesus Christ. I've talked to these guys back here, and I hope we'll be able to see this video. I want you to, uh, I want to talk to you about Esmond Green. Dustin showed this video uh, uh, on New Year's Eve when we had the lock-in, and I really started thinking about that video as it pertained to what I wanted to talk about this morning. Uh, this is also a video that um, Philip Jenkins used, uh, took from this video, uh, and developed a program that he uses with his young people called Lunch Ladies. In other words, looking out for, for those people that really nobody else is looking out for. So, if we can show this video, I want you to pay attention to this, and then we'll talk about that in just a minute. Had it not been for a surveillance camera inside the psychiatric emergency room at Brooklyn's Kings County Hospital, we may never have known what happened to 49-year-old Esmond Green in the moments before she died. As she struggles on the floor, several people walk by, but no one does anything to help her. And it takes nearly an hour before a medical team arrives to treat her. The New York Civil Liberties Union released this videotape showing Green falling to the floor in the emergency room around 5.30 on the morning of June 19th. About 20 minutes later, a security guard comes into view. He walks in, he stands there. We actually think there's a television up in the top. We think he's looking at the TV, but he's clearly got... <coughs> the patient in view, and he walks away. Green was in the ER waiting for a bed to become available. At one point, the woman can be seen struggling to free herself from the chairs. And at another point, she appears to make an effort to get up. 
A copy of her medical records contradicts the tape, listing her at the same time as being awake, up and about, even going to the bathroom. At about 6.10 a.m., lawyers say a second security guard enters the room. Here he comes, into the room, checks her out. He can't even get himself off his chair. He sits there, and then you'll see him wheel himself away. Finally, around 6.30 a.m., medical personnel arrive. Green is later pronounced dead. The New York City Health and Hospitals Corporation released a statement saying we are shocked and distressed by the situation, adding that after it learned of the incident, the agency's president directed the suspension and termination of those involved. The city's mayor says the city will do everything it can to cooperate with the investigation. I was uh, horrified is much too nice a word. Disgusted, I think, is a better word. This is not the first time the psychiatric unit at Kings County's hospital has been targeted. Advocates for the mentally ill filed a lawsuit in federal court in 2007 calling this a, quote, shameful place with horrendous conditions. That suit is still active. The city's Health and Hospitals Corporation says it has put in place a number of reforms and continues to do so, including checking on patients in the psychiatric unit every 15 minutes. Mary Snow, CNN, Brooklyn. How did that make you feel? Did that make you feel angry? Sad? Indifferent? Esmond Green was in that emergency room for 24 hours and no one, no one paid her any attention. In fact, the last hour of her life you could see that a couple of security guards, other people in the room, they, saw, they had to have seen her laying over on the floor and yet no one even offered to help or to see if she needed anything until it was too late. Until it was too late. You see, the fact is that you and I are walking by people every day day that are dying spiritually speaking they're dying I realize some of them really don't care but they're dying and you see if we do not take notice and we do not give them attention that they need namely Jesus Christ it one day will be too late. Jesus said there in Matthew 28 to His disciples, All authority has been given to Me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You see, the term go means to travel or speaks of a journey. In other words, Jesus likely saying, as you are going in your life, 
As you are traveling down the pathway of life, here's what I want you to do, disciples, and that's been passed on from generation to generation to generation. Here's what I want you to do, followers of Jesus Christ. I want you to tell people about the good news. You see, you don't just have to sign up to go on a mission trip. You don't have to just sign up to go overseas and do mission work. Those are good things and are very needed. But as you are going throughout your everyday life, you have the opportunity, I have the opportunity to come in contact with people that the rest of us may not come in contact with who are spiritually dying. And if we don't take notice and share Jesus with them, one day it will be too late. So what does going mean for us? Two things real quickly. Number one, going means that I have a reason. What's that reason? Look at Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28 Verses 5 and following. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. For He is risen as He said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell His disciples that He is risen from the dead. And indeed, He is going before you into Galilee. That there you will see Him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring word to the disciples. You see, what is the reason? What is the reason for us to go? It's because Jesus is risen from the grave. He's no longer there. The Bible says, the angel said, He's not here. Come and look the place where He lay. It's empty. You go to every other tomb of every other person or grave, minus those in Scripture that didn't die, and you will find remains. But the angel of the Lord said, Jesus is not here. He's risen. And what did they tell him? What did they do? They went and they brought word to his disciples. One of the main themes of Scripture, if not the main theme of Scripture, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Notice these Scriptures, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 19. Abraham believed. Abraham believed that God could raise his son from the dead if necessary. The psalmist writes in Psalm 49 and verse 15, But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for He shall receive me. Psalm 73 and verse 24, You will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Isaiah declared in Isaiah 26 and verse 19, Your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. Through Daniel, the Lord assured, Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. The resurrection is a reality. The resurrection of Jesus Christ 
happened and still remains very, very important. There was an early missionary uh, to the islands in the western Pacific that discovered a strange mass grave. In this grave, he discovered 11,000 heads in one grave. On further investigation, he learned that in 1637, the Japanese government, which then controlled these islands, ordered that all believers in Christ in the empire be eliminated. You see, it was because they knew that these believers believed in the resurrection. And so what these leaders did, not only did they eliminate them, they cut off their heads and put their heads in another grave far from their bodies in order to try to prevent the resurrection. You know what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15? Listen to it. Verse 13, But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. And guess what? Your faith is empty. The resurrection is real. And you see, it's because He lives that I can face tomorrow. Hebrews chapter 11, we have that great hall of faith. Chapter 12, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, those people weren't perfect. Those people had struggles. Some days I believe those people wondered, will they make it? You have known people in this very church body who have lived by faith and gone on to their reward who also had some tough days that I'm sure they thought, will they ever make it? But here's how they made it. Because Jesus lives. And folks, that gives me a reason to go out and to live it and to share it. But here's the question I have to ask Barry. Am I living that way? Do I live in such a way that people know I believe in the risen Savior? I believe in the risen Savior and I want you to see the risen Savior in my life. Even when I'm down, even when I'm struggling, even when things aren't going my way. Because I want to be like Paul and say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, Paul might have said it this way. No matter what happens to me, no matter what my circumstances are, I can face tomorrow because Jesus lives today and forever. Going gives us a reason. But going also means I have an example. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, and I want to spend a little bit of time here in the book of Acts. But I want you to notice in Acts chapter 8, you remember what's going on? Saul of Tarsus has been persecuting the church. (coughs) 
has been persecuting the church. Who are we? The church. Paul's been persecuting the church. Throwing them in prison. Killing them if he had to. In the midst of persecution, I want you to notice verse 4 of Acts chapter 8. I want you to notice what these Christians, the church of our Lord, did in the midst of persecution. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the Word. They went everywhere preaching the Word. And they were not standing behind pulpits. Even in the midst of persecution, they saw the need to share the good news with people who would listen. Jesus Himself tells the disciples in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to Me in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. Jesus told them, You're going to be My witnesses all over the world, all over the face of this earth. In a sense, we hold that same mission today. To share Jesus wherever we go. Wherever we're scattered. We're to share the good news of Jesus as we travel through life. You see, contrary to what some believe and teach, our main purpose, our main purpose as Christians living on this earth is to submit to God through Jesus Christ, give our lives to Him by being buried with Him in baptism, to rise in newness of life, going on our way what? Not just rejoicing, but sharing the risen Savior to those who will listen as I travel and journey through life. Sometimes, sometimes in American culture, I'm not sure of other cultures, but sometimes in American culture, we can get our purpose construed a little bit. Uh, let, let, me, let me mention, talk about what I'm saying. Sometimes we can get our identity in a building or a location. And that becomes our purpose. What we do in those walls becomes our purpose. And the Bible never teaches us that our purpose is about what we do in the walls of a building where we come together to worship Almighty God. Don't get me wrong. Worship is important. We're commanded to worship. We're encouraged to worship. We're challenged to worship. Worship is a challenge in and of itself. But the purpose of the New Testament church as revealed in the book of Acts was to go about sharing the good news of Jesus as they went about their life. That's evangelism. Telling people about the good news of what Jesus, the risen Savior, has done in your life. 
you've been forgiven, I've been forgiven. I'm able to walk in faith and grace and mercy all about cause of Jesus. That was the purpose. And that's our purpose. In Acts chapter 2, those in attendance on the day of Pentecost, they were pricked in their heart at Peter's sermon. But this led them to ask the question, okay, Peter, we've made this great mistake. Now what must we do? And Peter said in Acts 2 and verse 38, you know it. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. All through the next chapters, the apostles and the early Christians shared Jesus with anybody that would listen as they went about their daily lives. You see, they took serious... They took serious what Jesus had said to the apostles to go. And while you're going, let people know. Let people know about me. Let people know about Jesus. They let people know about a loving, caring, forgiving, merciful, graceful, gracious Savior as they went about their daily life. In his devotional book, Quiet Talks with World Winners, S.D. Gordon recounted the story of a group of amateur climbers who planned to ascend Mount Blanc in the French Alps. On the evening before the climb, he, the, the guides, they gathered all the people together and they told them what they had to do to be successful. They said, the way you make this climb successfully is you only take what's necessary. Well, there was one young, athletic young man who thought... <laughs> That didn't apply to me. I mean, look at me. I'm an athlete. I can do this. And so the day came when they were ready to make the climb and he shows up with a blanket, some snack food, and some other extra things that he really didn't need. And the guides warned him again that the way you successfully make it up to the top is you only take what's necessary because this is a difficult climb. Well, again, the young guy, well, that don't apply to me. I mean, look at me. I'm an athlete. And so once the guides were done with their, with their talk, he took off ahead of them. I'll show them. I'll show them what kind of athlete I am. But along the way, the other climbers noticed different Articles and accessories from that young man. They noticed the blanket. They noticed a little farther up the food. They noticed a little farther up some of the other items that he carried. You see, that young man made it to the top. But he realized what the guys were telling him. And here's what Gordon said about applying this illustration to the church. Mr. Gordon comments that unlike that young climber 
who eventually paid the price for success, many Christians, when they discover they cannot reach the top with their loads, simply stop climbing and settle down on the mountainside. Where are you going? Who are you taking with you? We're going somewhere. And Jesus established with those apostles before He ascended back into heaven, who later taught the early church, and from generations to generations to generations, and here we are today in 2017, with the same commission, with the same mission, with the same itinerary. While you go, share the good news of the risen Savior. Along that way, there will be difficulty. In our Sunday morning class, we've been studying through Hebrews. You know what's interesting about the New Testament church? That as people shared Jesus in that day and time, they were persecuted. You see, sharing Jesus didn't bring about rose-colored glasses, big mansions and nice cars, and popularity. Well, they were popular, but not in the sense they wanted to be, or that culture would say they wanted to be. But they counted it joy to be able to suffer for the name of Christ. I don't really like suffering. I don't want to suffer. But here's our challenge. Whatever the, whatever the devil brings to us or before us, Jesus said, go and I'm going to be with you. What power. If God is for us, who can be against us? You see, when I know where I'm going, I know how to get there, then I can bring people along if they will listen to me. Don't stop on the mountainside because it gets too rough. The Bible tells us, hey, if you've got some burdens in your life that you need to lay aside, lay those aside and ask the brothers and sisters in Christ to pray with you and pray for you and help you carry those loads or help you lay them down whatever the need is. Today we ask you that question again. Where are you going? Are you going to spend eternity in heaven with God? Or are you going to spend eternity with Satan and those who rebel against God? The choice is ours. Here's our prayer. Choose God. You'll win every time. We have water. What's hindering you from giving your life to Jesus Christ? To say, on your way rejoicing, I serve not a dead Savior, but a risen Savior. And bring people with you. Maybe you're here today and you're carrying some heavy burdens. Have we've seen some over the last few weeks? What better time than the present when you're with your church family to say, these burdens are too heavy. I'm ready to lay them down so I can keep going in the right direction. Whatever your need is this morning.
please don't let Satan or anyone else hold you back another moment. But come forward and let us assist you any way we can. As together we stand and sing.